The following podcast is a presentation of Hacks and Flax. We're a partner podcast to the Echo Chamber and a production of March Communications, a tech PR and communications agency. You can listen to our show on iTunes or by visiting marchcoms.com. That's marchcoms.com. But get accustomed to the idea of sharing your thinking, sharing your ideas, being heard, owning the owning your words, owning your presence. You are an mm-hmm. expert in your craft. Own it, be it, say it. And, and the outcome, no one's, no one's, we're not in surgery. No one's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl said. Welcome to Hacks and Flax, the podcast from March Communications, where we cover PR, marketing, media, and all things communications. I'm Manny Vega. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, glad to be back and glad to have a first-time guest to the podcast here uh, and actually a, a recent addition to the March team. Uh, we're talking to Director of Digital Services or Digital Strategy? Digital Strategy. Digital Strategy. Okay, good. Director of Digital Strategy, Caroline Black. Uh, Got to get the title right. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Caroline. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited yeah. to be here, yeah. no matter what the title. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excited to have you. Um, so you, as I just mentioned, you just recently joined the agency. I guess it was like six weeks ago, right? Yeah, just about. Yeah, it feels like it's been longer. Um, it does. You seem very busy. <laughs> so <laughs> I am. Can you confirm? Uh, what is, how's it been so far? Yeah, no, it's been great. You know, I think, um, you know, March has been looking to round out their digital and social offerings. So my hire, you know, I hope to do just that. And I think a lot of the teams here already do a lot with social for clients. So it's not about starting from bare bones. It's more just about providing that infrastructure and that foundation for those types of digital and social media services. So I've been involved in everything from day-to-day client work to new business coming in the door. Um, and then again, to just working on March's own internal channels and strategy um, and also our website, which is a new and exciting um, project that we're working on. So stay tuned if you haven't um, kept your eyes peeled on our website in a bit. Yeah, yeah, you'll see some changes soon, I'm sure. Um, it's exciting for me personally, too, because obviously being on the content side, you know, digital is really closely related to that. And so uh, it's been great working with you so far and and kind of being able to broaden our horizons in that respect. Um, but Likewise. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and, and we had you on the show today to talk about um, uh, an interesting issue and actually we did things a little bit differently in this episode. So uh, yesterday we recorded a conversation, the sort of roundtable discussion between yourself uh, and two of the of the leaders uh, at the team here at March. Uh, we're talking to uh, Managing Director Cheryl Gale and Executive Vice President Jody Petrie. Uh, and the occasion is International Women's Day. So if you're, if you're listening to the podcast today, uh, on the day that it came out, it is March 8th, International Women's Day. Uh, and actually, March is uh, Women's History Month, right? National Women's History Month. Yeah. So uh, it's obviously, you know, a big topic. Um, and we wanted to talk to both of them about uh, their personal career paths uh, in PR, sort of the challenges they faced as women, you know, and also developing as leaders in the industry. Um, and this is an idea that we've been talking about for a little while, right? And I think you, you came up with it originally. What what was the the genesis of it, I guess? Yeah, well, I think, again, we were just looking to find a natural fit and way, a way to talk to these topics that are relevant, but also important to us. So, you know, this um, issue of female empowerment, I think, is what spurred it and I think would be a, a great thing to talk about, you know, today and every day, <laughs> not even not just in March. So, sure. um, you know, being the strong leaders that they are, Cheryl and Jody seem like 
natural fits for this discussion. And, you know, I think what came out of it is great in terms of they have advice for um, people who are new to the industry, people who have spent some time in the industry, people who are uh, experienced and senior looking to grow teams, looking to, um, you know, transition potentially their agency into an agile one who's more integrated. So we really span the span the gamut of um, topics and services for, you know, people at all stages of their career. Yeah, it was very interesting to be in the room for it. Um, as you say, they really did start from kind of uh, the very beginning of their careers and then cover sort of everything from there and, you know, personal journey, but also, you know, philosophy on PR in general, the business, where it's going, where it's headed, you know, who's succeeding and why. Um, and, you know, some of the topics we covered, there was work-life balance, there was finding confidence in the workplace, their development as leaders, um, ways to stay authentic personally. I guess, was there anything um, from the conversation that kind of stuck out to you? Well, we also did talk about some fun and interesting cocktails. Yes, that was. That was <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That was just an icebreaker that we did. But it was um, pretty interesting to learn about Jody and Cheryl in terms of what type of cocktails um, they consider themselves to be. Um, it was an interesting perspective. It adds like a yeah. little bit of color, and, and you'd, you'd be surprised with those kind of um, the, those more fun questions. The the perspective you can get out of them. Yeah, and I, I think you know what I took away from the conversation yesterday was that it was very real. Um, Cheryl and Jody provided very authentic, um, you know, conversations about not only themselves, um, their work life, but also their personal life. So they shared a little bit about, you know, how they managed to stay grounded in their family while also excelling in the workplace. And I think that that's something that everybody struggles with and everybody wants to achieve it. Companies say that they have it, but how does March really truly get their employees there? Um, you know, in terms of as much of a work life balance as you, can have, you know, some days are busier than others. But, you know, that was really what I took away, you know, that they weren't afraid to share and, and get personal with us and really, um, you know, be open about how they've gotten to where they are. And in my opinion, that's pretty far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really enlightening conversation. Uh, let's let's dive in, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Here's uh, Cheryl, Jody and Caroline. So today um, we have Jody and Cheryl, uh, March Hi. Communications, Hi. <laughs> and we're talking, you know, in honor of International Women's Day, which is coming up, uh, about navigating your PR career, um, which I think has come to mean many different things to different people. So um, we'll start just by doing a fun icebreaker question, and um, pulled this one. Actually, this was from Jody. But if you were a drink, what would you be and why? Maybe Jody should go first then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think right now, I was telling Cheryl before that I map my drinks to where I am in life. And so right now, I am a, um, I'm a big fan of Day of the Dead drinks from the Yellow Door Taqueria in Melton. Plug there. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's a favorite sort of after work stop. And I... Uh, we're so busy these days. I feel like we're running around crazy that we, we take a break just for an hour once a week and we have a day of the dead and somehow it revives us, brings us brings me back to life, so to speak. So does your husband also drink the same yes, drink? And in those big voodoo glasses with you know, they're orange and green Fun. and they have like palm leaves sticking out oh, wow. of it. So it's like an experience yeah. on top of alcohol. Is there a day that you favor? Well, I favor Wednesday. Wednesday. Just to yeah. get through it. Yeah. You know, it just Hump seems day. to be the longest day. Yeah, Hump it's a long day. day. So a little bit of death 
and then revival feels <laughs> right. <laughs> and have you ever agreed that one of you could have more than one or two and then one car stays and one car drives home? My, see, we are brilliant <laughs> planners, you see, because my husband actually walks to the restaurant. Ah, see, perfect. We only have one And then one you can car. allow. Exactly, exactly. Someone can. I'm usually good with one day of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you're going to have to put the kids to bed because I <laughs> <That's> can't. <right. laughs> I was thinking a Kia Royale, and the emphasis is definitely on the Royale versus the Royal. So a Kia Royale is um, a champagne drink where if it were a Kia Royal, it would be wine. The Kia is the sweet bit, which you can use um, cassis or Chambord. Um, and obviously the Royale bit is champagne. And I looked it up to see um, how it actually came about. And it was invented by a mayor in Dijon um, because he wanted to sweeten up champagne. And um, I don't know, I guess champagne and even just the drink, Kakia Royale, is it's kind of fun. It goes at any party. Right? Is it purple? It's a little bit red. Oh. Yeah, and you can put, I've put raspberries oh. in it too, which is really fancy. fun. You're fancy. Yeah. Well, we do a Christmas cocktail party every year, so I love serving the Kakia Royale. So. Very oh, sophisticated, yeah. just like I know. Oh, thank you. I didn't <laughs> actually think of it as sophisticated. I thought of it as more fun and I picture enthusiastic. your enthusiastic. Ooh. I did have proseccos at the pool in Mexico, but they didn't understand what I meant when I was saying a Kia Royale in Mexico. You said that. that's a tough. <laughs> didn't work there. Well, mine, I'm feeling bad now. Involved no research, but I have a feeling it was founded on a beach somewhere. <laughs> um, and I said a mai tai because in my mind, they're fun and easygoing, but deceptively strong. Ooh. So being five feet you tall, that, really. I did. I thought, I thought more personality. I mean, I yeah, I, I like, like them too, mm-hmm. but I thought more from you know a personality. And I'm again mm-hmm. didn't research it, but now I feel like I should go go back and do some research. I so would, maybe that'll be a follow. up I would agree with that after knowing you for about six weeks. <laughs> Perfect. Um, now that now that we got the important question out of the way, um, let's dive into the There's next more? one. No. <laughs> yes, plenty more to come. Um, how did you both break into PR, and how has your role in the industry changed over the years? Hmm. Mine was definitely happenstance. It was, as I mentioned earlier, a professor that had pointed out to me that accounting, which is what I was majoring in, was not for me. I was really struggling, and I took a few comms courses. And that professor, her best friend, worked at the Weber Group, now Weber Shanwick, and they were looking for interns. And she suggested that she help me get an interview as an intern because they were looking for interns to help them launch America Online. So the first question was, have you ever heard of the internet? So that was 1989, 90? Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, I don't think, wow. wow. No. I've heard that story before, and I, I think it's fascinating every yeah. time I hear it. But that's, I mean, that's a, yeah. a cool And it was, client. in those days, you worked on one account. Even as an account coordinator, you had one client, and all you did was editorial calendars. So Ooh. all you did was pitch. And when I say pitch, it wasn't email. It was over the phone. And I think we've lost a lot those of that. <gasps> and we've lost a lot of that because you can hide behind email. You can hide behind Twitter. Um, but I, I still today think that, you know, 
the only way to really build relationships is to meet face to face, picking up the phone, having conversation. That's yeah. really hard to do mm-hmm. over email. And I think it's something at March that we're really trying to emphasize more um, and help younger people kind of bring that back. Um, so I'm getting off. <laughs> no, know, no, on I a tangent here, but I fine. think yeah, it's really important. But in terms, of, actually, no, because that does play into this idea about how has yeah it evolved. Um, so I think that that is is definitely something in terms of how. Um, like not only the way that you do PR has evolved, like when you think of traditional PR, which is what I was describing, Mm -hmm. um, but PR no longer just equals media relations. And that's how people have always looked at it, but it is so much more today, um, which we spend a lot of time talking about um, at March and, you know, where the ownership is between, you know, marketing, communications, marketing, communications, advertising, (laughs) digital, social, you know, all of that. but in terms of how I've evolved over that time, I think a lot of it is, um, especially in the past kind of 14 years that I've been running March, um, I'm just surrounding myself with really smart, really good people who are really enthusiastic and um, want to learn and want to teach other people. And I'm just soaking it all up and really listening to everything they have to offer and say like yourself on the digital and social side yeah well i hope you know like you said i've only been here six <laughs> weeks but i really hope to be doing all of that and then some yeah i know i was thinking about that the other day too wow. and today and kind of taking stock on all these questions but yeah it's blown by it's yeah. been a great experience and a great uh time so far working with everyone like yeah. you said everyone's bright and talented yeah. and looking to learn and get their hands dirty and everything so I can I can see that you're spot on with your kind of how it's all evolving. <laughs> and so, how did you then get into social? Is that where you originally started? Um, I actually started out in broadcast. So, and I was um, just telling the story, but I thought I was going to be the next Katie Couric, and lo and behold, my stage fright really kept me from doing that. But uh, where I found myself was in a digital role within CBS News Online, and you know, in looking back, really grateful because I think that was back in 2008 and it was around the time when businesses were looking to use social media but they weren't really sure how. So as a news organization, I think you know those groups were some of the most early adopters of social media and trying out the new technologies and the emerging kind of practices that were coming about. So you know, very lucky in that regard. So every role that I had in broadcast um, always really had that digital component in it. I was writing for online news sources, managing social channels, um, and then, you know, looked and transitioned into PR and was doing the same thing for clients and helping to figure out how those technologies map to their business. So, um, you know, and then got a taste for PR as well. So I I did some of that in college, but then kind of almost worked backwards from how you're doing Mm. things and had to refine the more, um, you know, core components of what PR is in terms of media outreach and uh, relations and, and things like that. So... Did you have any mentors along the way? Um, you know, I I really respected, and I don't know if many people um, know her, but Susan Zarinsky. So she is the executive producer of 48 Hours and is one of the longest standing female producers ever. Mm. Um, and she was just, you know, despite her, you know, reputation and her authority and was always willing to talk to you, to give you advice, you know, during those times when I thought I was going to be an anchor, you know, she would champion 
right. I'd say, you can do what you want to do, and was just so personable and walk around and, and, and say hi to everyone every day. And, you know, that's not something that I think right. you come, come across often, especially at those big, big networks. So, right. so she was great. My very first VP, um, who some of you know, um, at Weber, when I first started at Weber, is someone that I am still in regular contact with today and, you know, has, you know, built a career of 35 years and recently retired. But she retired because she had children late in life. And even though she did have somewhat of a work-life balance because she was working three days a week, she was really <laughs> no, working five just in three days. Right. <laughs> um, it was just too much. And she just recognized that now is the time to kind of spend with her kids. So she's consulting really yeah. huge. So bold. I actually, I remember I cried when, <laughs> when she told me because I just thought it was so incredibly yeah. bold. And, you know, sometimes you wonder if that were, you know, if you were in a different situation, would you do that? But I think luckily I've been able, you know, in, basically by running my own agency, been able to have that balance that I really need as a mom um, and have surrounded myself with such great people and leaders in in our agency that it allows me to have that work-life balance. So it's nice. Great. Jody. Well, I think my path was a little bit more, um, had a little bit more of a straight path, I think, to PR. Um, to, to some extent, I started winning writing contests in grammar school and through high school. Uh-huh. Um, one of them was an analysis of Paradise by the Dashboard Light, oh. <laughs> which I know everywhere now. I'm going to sing this song. day. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, but so that made me think that I wanted to go into journalism. So I went to mm-hmm. BU, the School of Journalism, and somewhere in my junior year, after I'd perfected the art of writing an obituary, um, <laughs> <laughs> a lost talent, um, I did some research on journalists and the Boston Globe specifically there was the Boston Herald at the time and looked at the the mastheads and who was staffing the newsroom and discovered that two things were discouraging. One, literally 80 to 90 percent of writers were men. Mm-hmm. The majority of them were men over the age of 40 and they paid very little. And so at that point, I'm, you know, 20 years old or something. I said, am I going to consign myself to a lifetime of being underappreciated, undervalued and underpaid? Mm-hmm. So my mother, bless her heart, said, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was introduced to the dean of the School of Communications who said, you know, come here. We, mm-hmm. we want that. And so really did at that point, I just loved the power of words. Mm-hmm. I just felt like you could do anything with an appreciation of the power of words. And I love public speaking. Yeah. And so when you sort of combine those two things and you are a true believer yeah. in those things, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. So I went to graduate school and then I started as an unpaid intern at a PR agency under Micho Spring, who now yeah. with Micho Spring was my first boss. And she taught me, um, she said to me one day, you'll always have a job if you're the head. The minute you become the arms and legs, you have no use. And so from that point on, I focused almost exclusively in strategy of being the head, of being yeah. that person the clients could say, what do you think? Yeah. Um, and so that's how I've always sort of directed my mm. career. And every time I got a job, my mother, the minute I got the job, my mother would say, great, what's next? So it was a combination of loving words and my mother in the back of my yeah. head going, you're never done. You're never yeah. done. <laughs> that kept sort of motivating and mm. pushing. And um, here I am, sort of the opportunity to shape and guide and 
consult and impact and can't ask for more than that yeah. really so I'm um, you know PR has changed so so dramatically but it's one of the few careers that I have been exposed to where you're encouraged to sh reshape and redefine yeah. and re-examine with it you can sort of take a much more water flowy type yeah. approach to it you don't get pigeonholed you can take one thing and and grow and change you just have Definitely. to have the confidence to yeah. go with it I would argue that it's it's now you have to be able to shape and shift and evolve it's a matter of survival right mm -hmm. now there's no other way as a PR professional absolutely agency or in-house yeah unless you are and if you look at one of the things I'm super intrigued by is the struggle that large holding company agencies are having right now if you look at across the board the agencies that are doing well versus those that are struggling those that are struggling are business model driven yeah versus those <laughs> who are sort of tied to the craft and and shaping it from within versus leading with a business model those agencies are doing really well like mm -hmm. march's growth over the last year is quite significant versus some of the bigger right. ones which are seeing 0.2 growth and negative right growth if you will so again to Cheryl's point it's how you adapt and how yeah. you change in the form in which you're enabled and empowered to do that I think makes makes all the difference in the world and a good mentor which is it's funny um, when we first set up the agency one of the things that we said at the beginning and it you know it, of course it evolves too in terms of our, our vision but from the very beginning we always said we never wanted to get bigger and we we never tied it to revenue, we tied it to how many people, just because we saw when agencies started to lose mm -hmm. their way and get unwieldy because they lost sense of who their people were. Mm -hmm. And for us, that magic number was somewhere between 40 and 50. Right. Um, I, we are at 30. <laughs> We've been huddling over that, you know, over that number for some time, but it is right now for us the right Mm -hmm. number mm -hmm. you know do we want to grow absolutely do we want to get to 40 or 50 definitely but do we want to become one of these you know 70 people 100 right. people right. massive agencies or even the like you say the big holding companies thousands I don't <laughs> no. you know I'd rather I'd rather I've diversify maybe we set up a separate that. shop <laughs> yeah exactly we'll have a I digital shop over here an environment where you can have yeah. like what you said exactly you make can a have difference an impact. you can yeah. make a difference it's not so. about that necessarily matters the numbers that, that really matter. And when you were talking about um, kind of, you know, for you, how you found your career and your and your mom being there, and um, I was thinking it made me reflect on um, one of the questions that we were thinking about in terms of um, for the podcast was around perhaps your biggest mistake. Mm -hmm. And when you focused in on, I always want to be the head, Mm -hmm. You know, because the arms and legs mm -hmm. don't necessarily always have the job where the head does. And so therefore, for you, that equals strategy. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my biggest mistake, although it did serve me well early in my career, um, was that I always said yes. That is, and it took me exhausting. It took me a long time to break that habit mm -hmm. and to find the way of saying no that I was comfortable with, but also that help me to respect myself more and have mm -hmm. others respect me more um, because I felt especially early in my career that the only way you could get ahead and for people to like you and for d to do a really good job is to always be seen as this person that yes I want to do this I'm motivated I'm enthusiastic there's a different way to show you can still be enthusiastic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but say no and saying no also allows you to have more time to think to be more strategic mm -hmm. you know to 
to make more of a difference if you're constantly just running around saying yes to everyone and you don't have control over well, you know, no is what that you're really thing doing. that lets you gives you the self permission to take a deep breath. Yeah, exactly. That you, know, too. You, you know, sometimes <laughs> you just need a deep mm. breath. And you know, for me, the biggest mistake was always anytime I didn't listen to my instincts. Anytime mm -hmm. I sort of when somebody said to me, "Well, you know, you just need to be nicer." I had, someone has actually said that to me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I would say to myself. I, I don't think that's true, but I went along with it at that mm. time. I took that and I said, yeah, of oh, course. well, maybe I, maybe I do. Or, you know, yeah. I, I was, I was right. I didn't need to be nicer. I was fine. Yeah. But I should have listened to my instincts and right. not sort of let myself be pulled down the rabbit hole of But sometimes it's female the way you behavior learn that that's and, new. Yes. You know, what, yeah. what is, what is authentic to you? Sometimes right. you don't know that unless you. Well, I think that's the lesson. Authenticity will always yeah. be the right path yeah. because when you're authentic, you will listen to your instincts and you will mm -hmm. let them be the guide and you will make the right decisions mm -hmm. even the right decisions are sometimes saying i don't know having saying no yep. or saying i don't know yep. um but listening to your own truth i think wherever that leads you yeah. is something i learned thank god i learned it i learned it a little later than yeah, i wanted same. but i still learned same. it which i think at the end of the day is the most important thing yeah well i think it does come with maturity age experience <laughs> <laughs> well I mean, this conversation does kind of play into i mean we talked about you know maybe a biggest mistake or um you know best worst advice you've mm -hmm. ever received and it and i have a similar kind of experience in talking about and this might come out wrong because it struck me at the time when it was said to me but it was meant to be a compliment and someone said you're like a duck sitting on top of the water and i'm like what does that mean? What does that mean? So it means that, you know, on the top of the water, you know, the duck is, you know, is calm and, and looking at it, it's all very serene. But like underneath the water, the duck is kicking to just stay afloat. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. So it was meant to be a, comp yeah, a compliment in that I, I take on a lot and I never give off the fact that. Right you know, there's a lot going on in my day to day life mm -hmm. from a work perspective. And right. then, you know, that's when I kind of t took stop. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I am drowning. Like, you know, <laughs> should I not be so serene? And I, you know, that's something that I've also learned is that mm -hmm. sometimes when you are that person, it's like the, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And if you're not saying no mm -hmm. or stop, right. or I need more yes. help, um, yes. you know, those are things that you need to learn how to say. And mm -hmm. obviously not to say them all the time, but when to say them yeah, when they when matter them. most. Yeah. Right. So when it's appropriate. Yeah. You know, yeah. So do you guys have any bizarre advice or, or, or compliments like that? Gosh, it's funny. My mentor said to me one time, and I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if it's a, um, a compliment or not. I took it as a compliment. <laughs> you know, she said, you know, Jody, <laughs> you're the type of manager who will see someone drowning and not reach out a hand until their head goes under. <laughs> <laughs> When it's just the hand sticking right, in the water. Exactly. Going. So she said, you know, a lot of people will reach too soon mm. and end up doing it's the swimming true. for that yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. Others will wait till a hand mm -hmm. goes down underneath the water. You wait till the whole head mm -hmm. is submerged. Yeah. <laughs> You've taught me to save them right about here. Right about the nose is the <laughs> okay. time where they can see that they're being saved, but they're still in peril. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I learned early on um, independence, the value of confidence of being self-directed of figuring things out mm -hmm. and it is something 
Um, you know, an MIT professor said to me, we were talking, I was working with MIT Media Lab one time, and he said, um, we were talking about high schools and the value of private education. He said, you know, can your kids do simple math? Do they know the alphabet? I said, yeah, they know those things. That's all you should pay for. What kids need to learn is problem solving. Mm -hmm. Problem solving will get you everywhere. Mm -hmm. These these numbers and can, do you have Learning the by bits rote. and bots? Yeah. yeah, rote work will yeah. never get you anywhere. No. But the dream is found in the ability to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And so that coupled with the a, a few other things said, all right, well, I'm going to help people figure it out right. versus do the work for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of it, you know, I'll say to people, it's going to be harder working with me. But at the end. Yeah. I think it'll be more valuable to you in the long run. Mm -hmm. And that's something I was taught early on and hopefully hopefully other people appreciate it as much as I appreciated it. I still struggle with that, as you know. <laughs> I struggle with that with my children. I struggle with that at March. And I think part of that is maybe that's still this yes, people pleaser idea. Um, I'm learning to find different ways to help people so that I'm not jumping in too early. I think you've come leaps Thank and bounds. Thank you. Now it's I'm just now I'm just pushing it on my kids. Because <laughs> I, you know, my 15-year-old often says to me, "Mom, I'm 15. Just let me do this. I know what I'm doing." But it's hard. It's hard especially 15. She doesn't really know what she's doing at all, so. <laughs> I got it. It's hard to hear. I got it. Yeah. It is. It is. So that that would actually be a tip um, you know, that I would give um, to anyone is just knowing when to, you know, and, and I think it, it, it is based on the personality and the relationship that you have with that person to knowing how to navigate that, yeah. you know, how, how much rope do you give them? So that's, especially as a leader, that's really important. Yeah. You know? Well, we have another question and Cheryl, you touched upon this earlier, but it, I think it's worth going back. Cause I've, I've heard this question time and time again, I think in a lot of the groups and I've been involved in in the greater Boston area, but, you know, especially as a woman, you know, how do you um, kind of navigate work-life balance? Mm -hmm. I know you talked about it a little bit, yeah. you know, with the agency, but, um, you know, maybe on a macro level and then on more of a micro level. Um, and again, would love to hear more about the Day of the Dead, too, because I think there's more, <laughs> there's more to that story than I think you're letting on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's we. Uh, we can expound, expound all day on day drinking. Which <laughs> I don't think this is what you are looking for in this interview. But um, Tara, why don't you? So you you mentioned something earlier that I think is really important um, in terms of work life balance, if that's what we want to call it. Um, knowing when to take a break mm -hmm. is probably the most important thing to keep in mind at any point in your day. You know, when you're in a meeting when you're having a conversation with someone, when you see something going in a different direction. And that break doesn't necessarily have to say, mean walking out of the room. Just knowing when to stop, to pivot, mm -hmm. to take a conversation down a different path. Or it could mean, you know, you're working on something and you've just, you know, I have no more <laughs> left in me right now. And knowing to go take a walk, mm -hmm. you know, to go get a cup of coffee. Uh, to leave work early that day and go do something else and come back to it mm -hmm. later. Don't respond to that email right then and there. Start to figure it out. Let it sit overnight. Look at it again in the morning, and I promise you'll have a completely different approach to it. You know, one that's maybe softened or just has a little bit more perspective. So I think, you know, in terms of work-life balance, um, one of the things I personally 
have brought in was um, to find a way to spend more time with my daughter at the time, who's now the one who's 15, because she was spending most of her time with a nanny and not me. But yet I wanted the career and I wanted to you know, be a leader in the agency that I was in. I was on their board, but it was expected that I work seven to seven, five days a week because there weren't leaders in that organization that mm -hmm. respected um, that work-life balance. And it was more that they didn't necessarily know how to or have their experiences and their circumstances. It didn't mean that they had to. They, didn't, they weren't married. They didn't have families. So it was very different for them. Um, so in, we chose to set up an agency where we could kind of together balance and have you know times where after school you're picking up the children and we're mm -hmm. taking turns doing that. So it was mm -hmm. really 50-50, which was really important. I think over time, it's allowed us to, like I said earlier, take the break. And if I want to go back to work after the kids go to bed at eight and mm -hmm. look at a few things, I can do that. Mm -hmm. um, having someone who respects that running the organization with you is really important. And for, for other women that are on boards or you know leaders in other agencies and organization, making sure that the entire team respects that men and women mm -hmm. um, is really important and understanding their views on it. You know, and getting to know them a little bit and see what their experiences and views are before you join or you know become a part of that um, that leadership team, um, I would say is hugely important. Then I know Jody will agree with me on this one: yoga. <laughs> Just do yoga. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. Um, I don't know. Part of this is a tough question because I think work-life balance is one of those things that, uh, first of all, I didn't have it for much of my career, for sure. Um, I didn't see many women with it, for sure, so there weren't a lot of examples to follow. Um, you were walking out of the office at 8 o'clock right behind uh, a senior vice president with three kids sitting at home walking out of it. You know, so it didn't exist. Yeah. It really it wasn't until I had my, my daughter um, that I thought it was something I had to work toward. Yeah. I still think it's something that doesn't always exist. I strive yeah. for it in the long term. I don't have a day-to-day -day or week-to-week. I know when I don't have mm -hmm. it and I have to sort of regroup and say, okay, it's time to go to mm -hmm. Yellow Door Taqueria yep. because I haven't had a conversation about and you know about what I saw on the BBC this morning yep. in, in too long. So I know it's not that I have it, I, but I know when I don't have right, it yeah. and it starts, to, um, it starts to sort of snowball from there. But in all honesty, one of the reasons I came to March, in addition to the opportunity to shape and guide and have impact was Martin and Cheryl's philosophy, if you will, about the work-life connection. I won't call it balance. I will say there's an intersecting mm -hmm. point between work and life. Mm -hmm. And the idea that you are working to enable the life you want mm -hmm. is a critically important perspective from a leadership team. Most companies simply don't have that. And in fact, I would say it's the opposite in many companies I know. Service. It's lip service. And if the more senior you are, the more you're expected to be present. But in this case, I think at March, your ambition to work for the common good mm -hmm. is so much stronger. You know, like like Cheryl, I might leave at five, I get home at six, I turn off between six and eight, but I'm always mm -hmm. on at night because that works. I feel like I'm invested yep. in them and I'm delivering at the same time, I'm empowered to make those choices. That's hugely different. It's one of the reasons why this size agency is the best home for a lot mm. of people like me, I think, because again, I don't have, I might not have it today. I can guarantee you I don't have work-life balance today or tomorrow, but I will work for it <laughs> mm -hmm. for next week. Right. And have being in an environment that encourages that and understands that is um, 
let you do better work in the long run you'll deliver more and be better but it's a lifelong process you know it's something Mm -hmm. you're always trying to achieve and as a woman in the roles that we're in with parents I mean sorry as a woman as a mother there's this constant guilt that you have to get rid of you know but it's always there but you have to find a way down for me, I always, my challenge is always, um, it's interesting because once you then say, oh, okay, well, I'm home, I get the kids from school, and I'm here, but are you really mm-hmm. there? So I I have, I can see when I'm not really present. Yes. And when I am. Yes. And. But don't you think that's half the battle? Half the battle is knowing when it's, when uh, you're Recognizing not it recognizing. and stopping yourself. Right. Or even just explaining to the kids, look, I just need five minutes. Right. I just have to get this done. Right. And then I can help you with this. Yeah. You know. You know, back to yoga for one second, because I think everything comes back to yoga. Yeah. One of those principles that I learned early on when I first started is a, is a teacher said to me, you know, peace can be found in the moment between the inhale and the exhale. And that is something that actually has informed a lot of the way I interact, because I tend to want to just get in there mm-hmm. and, you know, say something. But when I hear that, I go, okay, everybody stop. Yeah. Whether you're at home and you're thinking about, I have to answer that email and, oh my God, there's this new business thing and I know I have to do it. You can say, okay, I just need that space. Yeah. And then I can be better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what March is really good at, giving you the space to be your best self yeah. so that you can understand when you have to double down and dig yeah. in and work and when you have to yeah. say, okay, time out. I remember um, part of the, the that kind of philosophy has come from different mentors that we've had over the years. And I remember one of them said to me, remember, this is PR, not the ER. So you know? true. <laughs> so, I'm not saving lives. You know? <laughs> exactly. We're going to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, and maybe I'll get this backwards, but yoga is a form of meditation. Or is it meditation as a form of yoga? Either way, I'm curious if you guys, you know, being yogis, have tried that. I've been using an app that kind of forces <laughs> you to do it on a daily basis, and it's a lot of mantras. Does but it, it work? does. Is it working? I think you? you know, I'm doing it at, at night and in the morning, yeah. so I'm, I'm kind of just laying there thinking maybe I should go back to sleep. But that I think that's part of my struggle yeah. is, you know, staying in the moment and focusing on. But then in the now versus worrying about things that right. are taking you, you know, forward or backward. Yeah. Um, well, think about this particular yoga mantra for you. Um, <laughs> there's another one. I don't think of it as meditation because I do Ashtanga, which is just too intense to for. But a mantra, one of the mantras is use your body to free your mind so that when you're so active, when you're mm-hmm. when you're so in it that you have to stop thinking about what you're doing and you sort of let yourself progress keep moving forward but the more you think about something the more you dig yourself into a hole and you can't actually move and progress and be free you have to actually stop thinking about something so when you're forcing yourself right. to think oh my god i'd be up all night yeah awake <laughs> thinking about not thinking <laughs> that's good yeah yeah no i'll definitely i'll take that to heart i love it an app for meditation yeah where i i can't meditate yet i'm working on it i've been working on it for years i can i can do it depends on how you define meditation, mm. but I always fall asleep. Yeah. So that's not meditating. <laughs> that's so <something>. that's <laughs> the problem. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, Gerald. <laughs> you must be tired. 
I know. I'd, I'd label myself as a beginner as well. So yeah. no shame. Yeah, no we shame were there. we were joking. I'm, I think I mentioned earlier. I'm going um, to Sedona next weekend with a good friend, and we are going to this resort that specializes in yoga and fitness yes. and. Um, so there's a meditation walk, and we were laughing. We're going to trip and fall. We're going to break something. How do you do that? That is tricky. We had um, on our honeymoon um, a guided meditation as well, mm-hmm. but it was up on this cliff. So we hiked, you know, for 40 minutes, and then uh, we were led by an actual yogi. And he was like, come with me to the edge and sit and shut your eyes. And my husband and I are like, not no. a chance because <laughs> I'll shut my eyes, I'll lose my balance, I'll fall off the rock, and I'll die. So it was less meditation and more stress. More, but yeah. it was a beautiful view. Yeah. Um, and my, yeah. my husband is afraid of heights, so he was like, you know, couldn't get off of the rock fast enough. Yeah, I tried. Funny. I tried to settle my mind uh, as much as possible. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, so. Sounds very romantic. Hip, oh, yeah. The whole Fear-based honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie um, Heavyweights. I'm digressing a little no. bit. Oh, yeah. But it's you should see it. It's with Ben Stiller. And that's okay. what I'm picturing. At one point, he's trying to motivate the kids to lose weight. And he um, jumps onto this tree. And he's like this crazy fit aerobics instructor. Okay. And he's like swinging from it like above. Um, <laughs> and he's like, it's fine, kids. And that's kind of like what happened. We were joking about the whole way down. That that's <laughs> I felt like I was in a scene from Heavyweights. So again... Very, uh, more romance. (laughs) But moving on to our next question, (laughs) since all of this is so relevant. um, I wanted to talk about, you know, two two to three more things that I think we should cover off. And Jody, you touched about it a little bit in terms of being your most authentic self. Um, But I was wondering if you had any more thoughts around that in terms of leadership and entrepreneurship and and how you mentor others and how that guides you. And if that's not the principle that guides you in that way, Mm -hmm. you know, what have you learned about those kind of um, principles? In all seriousness, it, it actually is, I you know, finding your authentic self, whatever that is, accepting your limitations, um, acknowledging what you're really good at. Um, mm-hmm. Those things are really important, you know, because there are things that I'm just not good at. What I can tell you right now is that if Cheryl and I worked on an account together for a client, we would be the ultimate dream team mm-hmm. because what she Agreed. is incredibly good at I'm simply not good at. And part of reaching this point in my life is saying, you know what, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to be my best self, whatever that is. And I tend to be really good at some things and not good at others. And I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. So as a mentor, what I do is I work hard to help people identify right. and understand those things that they are really good at. Mm-hmm. And if those things that they're good at, they can't find room for them in their career, we sort of sit there and we say, okay, well, how can we make this right. fit into your career? How does it complement it? What are you bringing to the table? And how do we sort of optimize what you're bringing to the table? So that people, particularly young women, young women, uh, because I've been lucky in my mentors who said, you know, said things to me like, come back from maternity leave and the whole world seemed to have fallen apart. And I don't know if I have a place she'll say, Jody, you earned your seat at the table. Sit in it. And I went, okay. All right, I got it now. I'm just not taking advantage mm-hmm. of those things that are in front of me, and I'm not acknowledging those opportunities. I need to get back in it and and sort of double down. But so that idea of authentic self and identifying, helping people see their authentic self. I don't expect people to be great at everything. That would be so boring. 
What I want is to identify the best in people, find that thread and just pull that thread because they'll be happier, they'll do better work, they'll be with us longer. And so everybody's happier. (laughs) But so yes, um, I, I do sort of live by that. I am what I am but I want to be the best of what that is. Yeah. And I want that for others too. Yeah. Sure. I love cool. that. That's so true. Um, I do think we'd be a dream team too. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I have learned over time. And again, this is something that took some time, um, how important it is to really listen. It's so interesting how often we don't, because as consultants, we think we have to have all the answers. And in order to have, in order to be seen, to have all the answers, you have to talk a lot mm-hmm. and say all these things all the time. But actually, the best consultants just listen, mm-hmm. really listen, and then say the real thing that the client really wants to hear, or the colleague. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're mentoring, really, really listen. And I think you know part of that is is about being compassionate too, um, and helping people to discover their authentic self because uh, it takes. <laughs> a lot of time it does but I think that's definitely the things that I've learned about mm-hmm. leadership too it's definitely listening being authentic you know, compassionate um, and then as we touched on earlier knowing when to take a break mm-hmm. I'll keep saying that over and over again it's <laughs> important great and so that I think segues nicely into um, you know our next question which is what advice would you give people um, looking to get into PR? So maybe not specifically about, you know, being your best self, but like maybe from even a skills standpoint, um, you know, what that looks like and what you guys are looking for in people and and new hires. Mm -hmm. I, especially young people um, looking to get into PR, I always tell them start an agency first. I think you learn how to um, juggle and prioritize and um, just be organized, work with different types of people, different types of clients. I mean, it's such an important skill mm-hmm. that you can gain more quickly in an agency. It's not to say you don't get that from being in-house, but you can probably gain it more quickly mm-hmm. uh, in an agency. Um, I give this advice because it really helped me, um, which is to, as a young person make sure you work with senior people find a way you know to make friends and find opportunities and (laughs) you know to work with them and it was funny because when I first started working at Weber as an intern um, and I mentioned that I worked on this one account all the time I left out the fact that the first six months of my internship half of the time that I was interning I was um, Larry Weber's PA which was huge help because it meant that I sat outside his office, which was in what was called VP row, and all the VPs would have to come to me to get any time with Larry or to figure out, and so I got to know them all really well. And that really helped me with my career. Um, And then going back to what I said earlier, um, I think advice starting early in your career is to say yes sometimes. Not all the time, but say yes sometimes, because you do want to be seen as the person that can handle and deal with it and you know, is enthusiastic and wants to take on mm-hmm. work and opportunities and um, just don't say yes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I, I agree with the working in the agency thing. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing about working at an agency that um, I think is valuable is working in a PR agency teaches you the ability believe, to compartmentalize. 
to be able to hold 10 different things in your head, to turn one part off, another part on, so that you can move quite seamlessly from talking to a CMO, to talk to a PR manager, to talk to the CFO, to uh, how are we going to get this media hit toward really what does that you know, end-to-end solution look like for this? And you know, so I think that is a, a huge valuable part of working at the agency. The other piece of advice I would give is I think um, to understand and learn about business strategy. Because at the end of the day, your job as a PR person is to drive a business forward, to help a company make sales. They're in business, mm-hmm. generally not for their, their you know, because it feels good to them, but <laughs> because they're trying to sell something or do something or offering something. And so our ability to understand the business imperatives mm-hmm. um, and then develop the strategies that, you know, enable those businesses to reach the outcome they want is really important. So I would say don't stop learning once you feel like you've got your communications degree. Your next right. step is to understand the business mm-hmm. um, and business principles. So I think that's really important. I mean, from a personal perspective, if you're working in it, I would say cultivate confidence. Confidence and courtesy will get you far. You can deliver a lot of things when you are confident in how you're delivering mm-hmm. it. But if, even when you're delivering bad news, if you're courteous while right. you're delivering it, it's received <laughs> so, so much better. Um, and to be to make sure your voice is heard. If you have an idea, say it. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you email it. I don't care if you text it. I don't care who you send it to. But get accustomed to the idea of sharing your thinking sharing your ideas, being heard, owning the owning your words, owning your presence, um, it will serve you well in the long run because you will be more comfortable and confident in how you think and sharing what you think. And I think too many women are always questioning themselves. Is this smart enough? Mm-hmm. Am I smart enough? Am I right? Am I, well, it's the worst that can happen. You know, you're going to have to put yourself out there. Um, so that's, put yourself out there, I think, is yeah. what I'd like to see people do, particularly young women. And it's amazing how our industry is 80, what did you say earlier? 80 something percent women. It's a lot of women. Yet the first woman to be a head of a global mm-hmm. PR agency just happened. Yes, two in, couple, two in the last couple well, of weeks, I the, think, done the, it in Paris. Um, Ketchum, yeah, you know, the merger with Burton. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's amazing, right? It's it's a ma- it's a women communications is a women driven industry, yet the leadership is still yeah. not representative of the rank and file. Yeah, um, which is sort of it's sort of mind blowing, but I do think that comes back to confidence, yeah. presence, being heard, knowing that you you know in the room of the in, it was in the village of the blind, the one eyed man is king. You are an mm-hmm. expert in your craft. Own it, be it, say it. Um, and, and the outcome, you don't worry about the outcome. Right. You know, no one's, no one's, we're not in surgery. No one's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl said. Uh, Great. I was in the ER, ER last night, actually. So, oh, and here you are. So. Story for another day. <laughs> Part two. It's all good. <laughs> Adventures in the ER. <laughs> um, well, we'll let, end maybe on a high note. And I, Cheryl, I know you wanted to um, maybe potentially answer this question. So, oh. how did you get where you are? Luck? Chance? Uh, Yes, yes. A little bit of both. Yeah, I think if you look at luck as a matter of um, preparation and opportunity, then it was definitely luck. That's how I've always looked at it. I don't even know. I don't even have an answer. We were just talking about my lack of preparation. I mine. I and prepped Cheryl's mine. preparation <laughs> skills, which is your yin and yang. So I, I, I don't, a, a chance, or, what did you say? Is it luck or? Luck or chance or, chance. or could be a combination of the two or a third variable. Like hard work. I was just gonna say, you know what? Personality. I, I think. I think. 
think my charming personality opens all kinds of doors. <laughs> and they're slammed right in my face. No. Um, I think I think hard work. I think having a plan. I think um, actually I'll say that my mother always said to have a plan. Mm. Know where you're going. Yeah. It, it didn't matter where that was, but she, but I was never to stop moving and progressing, and mm-hmm. that has served me well. So I think it's my luck and having the force of somebody saying, you need to keep going, um, and then recognizing when I got to a place that I was supposed to be. You just made me think, I know we were supposed to end on that, but you just made me no, think of something I think is really important. Um, and we touched on it a little bit, but as a, like, a really practical tip that has been drummed into my head, but I don't think we we say it enough. You mentioned, if I don't talk about what's going on on the BBC, how important is it every single day to make sure that you know what is going on in the oh world? Oh my gosh. Take 15 minutes every morning, and then I prefer the BBC too, and read through the BBC. Be intellectually curious. You have to. You have to be. You have you know? to be aware. And then another bit of advice is, separate from news, make sure that you pick up a book and read it at least 15 minutes a day. Usually 15 minutes is my, I'm going to fall asleep because <laughs> it's 10 o'clock at night. But just real, you know, because it just helps you expand. Ideas come from things everywhere. Every, because you're not necessarily thinking about PR or comms or your clients or the agency. Mm-hmm. You're on a beach somewhere and you're reading the best book in the world or you're doing yoga. Yes. And this idea pops into your head. It's so important. It's totally to just... true. I will end on this note on that. Where does creativity come from? I was at an agency at one point where I was leading their sort of uh, digital integration group and and they were trying to sort of get creativity across the agency. It was sort of mm-hmm. media hits, media hits. And so I came with this idea up with this idea that he really liked and it was for Jiffy Lube of all things. And it had to do with autonomous driving cars and it was a long time ago. He said, well, how did you do, how did you come up with that? How do we teach people that? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, geez, I was just walking down the street. I went out for lunch. <laughs> walking down the street and that's where it came from but the whole intent was you can't sit down and say I'm right. going to be creative now you have to read you have to yeah. learn you have to expose yourself to different yeah. ideas and to people be inspired. and when you bring all that together you will get the inspiration to lead or to think or to be your authentic self yeah there we go wrap it up <laughs> cut <laughs> well thank you both for your time I think we'd be remiss in not mentioning you know in light of International Women's Day and some points that you guys brought up to say thank you to all the moms out there because you don't realize how much they sacrifice to pick you up, drop you up, take time out from the middle of their day to come to your tennis matches. I mean, I I had no idea that my mom, you know, what she was sacrificing and taking time out of to do. So thank you to you guys and shout out to my own mom to say thank you. But um, great. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Caroline. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks to Cheryl, Jody, and Caroline for joining us this week. And thanks to you for listening. Hacks and Flax is a production of March Communications. We are a PR and marketing firm here in Boston. And if you'd like to learn more about our agency or our show, you can find us online at marchcoms.com. There you can also find our blog, which has archive episodes of Hacks and Flax, uh, plus articles and ideas from the agency. You can also follow us on Twitter, the podcast handle is at HacksFlax, and the agency handle is at MarchComs. And of course, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. 
That way you get the latest episode of Hacks and Flax delivered straight to your device every time that we come out. That's all for this week, guys. I'm Manny Vega. We'll be back again real soon. Yeah.